1: Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn.
0: Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me Jason McCann. He is CEO and co-founder of Very. As the founder and the CEO, Jason's mission is to help companies create environments that elevate people. A lifelong entrepreneur, Jason has more than 30 years of experience building and running successful companies. Jason, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, my pleasure, Brian. Great to be here.
0: Absolutely. So give us the give us the story on Very and maybe I know the affiliate or legacy <laughs> ventures that are associated with it are probably not what
3: people expect. So give us, give us yeah, the story. Happy yeah. to connect a few dots here. It's fun. You know, we go back, my business partner and I have worked together, Dan and I've worked together now for over 20 years. And we actually met and went boom and bust in the dot-com business in the late 90s. And since 1985, he had an amazing company that most people haven't heard of called Jemmy Industries, G-E-M-M-Y. And but everybody knows the products. So Jemmy actually created the singing fish, the big mouth billy bass fish that you know tens of millions of people all over the globe had on the walls uh, for many many years. There's still a bunch of them out there, and also all those um, air blown inflatables. So those giant snowmen and Santas and pumpkins and all that that go on your yards during the holidays. That are sold at like Home Depot and Lowe's and Walmart and amazing retailers like that. And Jemmy's also one of the largest producers of LED lights in the world. So if you go and you get your Disney lights or your app lights on your house and you're getting ready for the holidays, all those are created from a company called Jemmy. So Dan and I uh, worked together. I was actually president of his company and took over as president in 2009. And we had a, you know, we've had an incredible run together, uh, helping him grow his business and, and us working together on some other ventures. And literally about 10 years ago, Dan was having back pain, standing at a cardboard box. And his doctor told him if he felt better standing up, then he should stand up more. And so that was kind of the, you know, the diagnosis and the recommendation. So he started looking online and we were trying to help him find a, a sit, stand desk and a standing desk. And couldn't find one. They were expensive. Took too long to get here. Took way too much time to assemble. And he had a vision for a product. And as you can tell from the products I described, Dan's pretty good at product. And David Patton was one of our designers. Dropped into the meeting. The three of us literally sat there. And Dan described what became the Veridesk. And now we've got millions of users using that original Veridesk that would go on top of your desk, help you stand up in 120 different countries all across the world and over 98% of the Fortune 500. So it was one of the hottest items and got us into office furniture, which Dan and I didn't know anything about, but we know about CEOs and fast-growing companies and culture. And as we were growing Veridesk at the time, and we started to add standing conference tables and walls that move because we just believed that spaces should be organic and live and breathe, as opposed to sheetrock and a bunch of offices, it's like businesses are are living breathing things and culture and getting the people right and we sat there and we're like we could actually build something really amazing here what we did realize is the furniture industry operates a lot like the automotive industry it's a dealer network so there's thousands of dealers so if you want a herman miller now a miller knoll chair you got to buy it from a miller knoll dealer in your city it's just this crazy 19 i mean they've been doing it like that for over a hundred years and we started to look at what Elon Musk was doing with Tesla. We're like, we could build something direct here. And then we started to look at great companies like Southwest Airlines, great culture. We looked at companies like Starbucks that were continuing to innovate. And we thought, what if we built a business that was a little bit different here? And that started us on a journey to create fairy.
0: It's <laughs> when the person who introduced us, is a Nashville person, but he told us the, the story about the bass singing bass thing. And I was like, there's no way that that can't, be right but it's incredible and, and really cool honestly so big conversation going on right now about the future of work or, you know what the return to the office you all are are adjacent to that conversation right you're you're calling on a lot of business owners landlords property managers asset managers you're a small business yourself or medium sized business what how are you what are you hearing right now what do you think that story how do you think it's going to all play out?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, what, what we've recognized, and I think like every organization, you know, COVID hits a couple of years ago, and we thought it'd be over in a few weeks. It's going to be over by summer, by football season, by January. It just, obviously, we experienced some challenges and a lot of organizations did. And so we took that time because we we just decided we were getting back to work and knocking things out and we were considered an essential business. So we literally redesigned our headquarters because our walls move. So picture instead of sheetrock, we have walls that are three foot glass and aluminum panels that literally move. So we had already built these products. And, and so we just literally redesigned our headquarters. I've got teams in Asia that I reached out to and was, since they were about 12 weeks ahead of us on the learning curve, and they talked about two meters apart and distance-based design. So we literally incorporated all that. And we were back in the office in June of 2020, literally navigating the ebbs and flows and, and challenges there. And so we learned early on that team members, when they're together, are much stronger. And what the research has started to show is, yeah, if you're a, an athlete or just pick what we'll, we'll is athletes and you train by yourself, you can get to a certain level. But when you reach out to a coach, he or she elevates you to another level. They put in new disciplines. When you suddenly start training with your team, you actually get stronger because you're just more competitive. You want to do better, but you're also supporting your team members. And then when your team goes to battle and competes with another team, as our sports teams do, that's similar to how our teams operate in businesses. And so what we're seeing is when I'm out there talking, and so in the last uh, 24 months, we've transformed over 2000 offices as we think about the workspaces of the future. So we're learning a lot. As we've talked to these CEOs that said, we're going to go 100% remote and they're struggling because their teams are isolated. They've lost that culture, communication, collaboration, that natural synergies of iron on iron that happens when people are together. So how do you find those? And so for a lot of companies, we've created rooms and areas where the teams can physically get back together, focus areas and workspaces. And then in their homes, maybe they're working from home now, a one or two or a couple days a week we create a seamless product solution. So they've kind of got the same tools, just like your technology tools, kind of your same workspace tools so that everybody's not sitting around crunched up on their laptop getting tech neck. It's like, I need dual monitors. I need a nice setup. But what CEOs are saying is, I've got to find healthy ways for my team members and safe ways to get back together. That allows us to all elevate and get stronger as an organization. And so every CEO out there I talk to is like, how do I do it? And so I... What we think about is a couple of things. One is creating an, a, a space that allows for collaboration, communication when the teams are together, also allows areas of focus and retreat because sometimes you just got to go work on a project for a few hours. But those natural areas and almost the, the second thing I would say is like a, a, almost a resomercial feel to a space. You want it warm and have some soft seating and areas of lounge because I've been, some of these you know executives and team members have been home now for a couple of years. So, how to ha- incorporate that into the design, but encourage it and 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 show through leadership that by being together, you can actually continue to recruit, onboard, and everything. So I think as as CEOs and leaders, we're all trying to figure that out. Schools have obviously noticed, you know, the kids were sitting on their beds looking at the laptops for the ones that had the technology and the access to it. They struggled being alone and isolated. So I think everybody's trying to find ways to to get back and and find ways for these teams to to be together.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, as being a landlord and also a small business owner myself, we all suffer from recency bias. We think you know the way that we've lived the last two years will be the way we live for the next twenty. Um, and like most things, it'll probably fall somewhere in the middle, right? And it's not like the death of office, but you know, it's not going to be work from home for everybody all the time, et cetera. And it's interesting to hear your take on the actual physical layouts that people are implementing. Are you seeing that accelerate, plateau, go back the other way? I mean, what are you hearing in terms of when people are actually planning these spaces and putting the furniture and the walls up? What does that anecdotally feel like to you right now?
3: Yeah, so picture a space where, where walls can move because again, it's a, it's a mind shift. You know, sudden so it's this paradigm shift that happens. So instead of I've got sheetrock offices and I'm trapped, like in the areas that are open and flex, how do I reimagine that space? And then over time, let it evolve as your teams come back together, as your teams expand, as you acquire companies, as you set up war rooms, like literally think about space changing. So we work with a lot of building owners help them reimagine in the in the days they may have said hey we had a white box or a spec suite for those of you in the real estate industry so a a fully furnished space well that's what ceos are looking for like i need to walk in and see it and touch it and go okay this feels the energy of what my culture is like like this my people will, will will resonate here but then over time can the space change also these buildings that you know they're starting to think about more of the common amenities how do i have access to outdoor where's the patio space healthy food options so when the teams are in, where, are the, where can we all get together and, and mingle? And we're literally learning that with each organization. For a lot of clients, we're doing literally two designs. Like, what gets me right today? What could work for the next three months, six months, a year? But what could it look like in the future? So we've had Fortune 20 clients that, for those of you in real estate, that may say, we want almost 6.75 people in density, 7, you know, 6.75 per 1,000 square feet. Now we're shifting to five to 1,000. So that means each person roughly has 200 square feet of office space when they when they do these configurations, but it may shift back and forth. And so for us, flexibility, change, thinking of space and work and offices as a living, breathing thing, not a set it and forget it for the next 10 years. It's literally got to morph and change. A lot of asset owners are saying, hey, a large percent of my portfolio is still going to be traditional leases and offices, but we're going to have flex and change allowed so that I can have areas for larger groups to get together, areas to host outside meetings, and really thinking about the office of the future, allowing the community to come inside. Like, Where are we welcoming our visitors? Where are we welcoming the the entrepreneurs at the high school and the college to come in uh, to experience our space and re- literally thinking about monetizing their assets in a much different way. And so I think that's what these are. So for us, we, we bought an old building here in the Dallas area. It's the original Zales headquarters. For those of you that remember Zales, still out there. Um, but it, you know it was a beautiful building in the 80s, but we literally transformed it into the workspace of the future. And we bought a second building, in the in the South Lake area, just west of the D- Dallas Fort Worth area uh, airport, and again, a, an old IBM building, but now it's a beautiful campus, and have literally leased it out fully furnished to these headquarters that are thinking, "What's the future?" We have Microsoft as a tenant for flex space, and they're starting to think we need to get our teams back. We know it's how, how do we do it, and so we're literally learning with all these great organizations. And we're actually building our third building. So we'll have a million square feet of office space that we own. It's literally an ideation lab and showroom for us. It's we're trying to crack the code with all of y'all on what does it mean to be impactful, meaningful, and really and think about workspaces of the future. So let's continue down that path here. You are a
0: longtime entrepreneur. You've been an executive for a long time. You've won many awards various publications, et cetera, for the work that you've done as an executive. What was that, what was COVID like for you in terms of being both an entrepreneur and an executive? Lessons learned, things that you've changed, maybe now that we've got the benefit of hindsight and you can reflect on some of the, on some of the uh, tumultuous years that you've gone (laughs) through the last 24 months. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, for us, we had, you know, we had, we had had Veridesk was our original name. But as everybody walked into our office and our business was growing, we'd done, you know, over $2 billion in revenue since we started. We recognized we needed to do something different if we're going to build one of the great brands. So we'd worked with a company called Landor. They helped take Federal Express to FedEx. And we, we worked with them and they helped us take Veridesk to Vary. We rebranded. We put a little box over the eye. We redid our logo for Ode to the Past. And so we're going to go out there and build one of the great brands. We're going to deliver project workspaces for building owners, for high-growth companies all across the nation. And this is January 2020. I hire 50 salespeople. So I'm up to over 300 employees. We're the fastest growing company in Dallas. We're on fire. And suddenly, COVID hits. And I think like all of you, I thought it was going to be over. And then it wasn't. And I've got salespeople that are selling office furniture. And Thank God we had an e-commerce business. Over 90% of our orders shifted immediately to being shipped to people's homes. They've been sitting at home for a month and they're like crunched over the laptop. They order a standing desk and get them dual monitor arms and get set up. And we just pivoted. So I immediately pivoted our e-commerce campaign and the and the team worked very hard over a 48-hour period to pivot and do things that I don't do, like put a 10% off coupon on our website, like just stuff I don't believe in because I I believe in everyday value the same way that. Jim built Costco or the way um, Jack Bogle built Vanguard. Like I just, Our pricing model was always everyday value, simple pricing. So I did some things. And then as I was laying there at two or three in the morning, restless sleep nights going, what am I going to do? My wife said, well, if you're stressed out, I can only imagine what your people are going through. And at that moment, that crisis created clarity and that I realized I had to lean into the pain that I was going through and uncertainty and talk to my staff. So literally, I started weekly all hands, Zoom meetings because we, we weren't all here, and I had team members that I had onboarded over 50 of them remotely, and I had suddenly daily emails going out to the to the team. I started posting on LinkedIn. I'm very introverted, and and it was suddenly I'm I'm out there because every CEO is asking me the same question: What what are you doing? Are y'all wearing masks? Are you in fact like we're all talking about the same thing? And what I realized at that moment is, as leaders, that's when you just lean into it, that you power through those painful moments. We, should, we were doing book clubs the whole time, but we're reading like Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. We're talking about stoic principles. God only gives you as much as you can handle, and you are here for a reason. And we're talking about those things openly with our team members. And what I was laying there one night as I was working on a presentation for a Monday morning all-hands meeting, it came to be a dear friend of mine when when Hong Kong was going through the height of SARS and H1N1. And it chicken flu and all these things. And people don't remember that here, but it, I re, we were over there a lot in those days. And he said, we're going to keep rowing until the wind catches our sails. And that literally became our rallying cry. I told that story to my team and they started buying oars and they started talking about, we're going to keep rowing. And people were posting stuff on hashtag keep rowing. And it became a mindset that we together can power in the same direction and work very, very hard to get through it until the opportunities come, until we figure this thing out. Our values were battle-tested during those 24 months. And they're, they're just like every organization. But I would argue they survived and actually became stronger. We leaned into our values and celebrated them even more. So to go through... And it's one thing when business is amazing and everything's coming at you and it's like making it rain, suddenly you're faced with tremendous challenges. So over communicating, being leaning into the pain points, leaning into your values, trusting your people, but over communicating and getting them in. And literally, I would argue that we've not only survived it, but our business is starting to thrive because we've pivoted, we've adjusted, our addressable market has doubled. We're navigating change for all these people. And we will emerge stronger. It has not been perfect. It has not been easy. But I didn't go through, and I—I I think some people were forced to do mass layoffs. And other, I, so we're going to avoid this as much as we can. I'm personally in my shirlds. We're going to absorb this pain. We're going to—we're going to we're gonna fight it through, and we're going to lean into it. We built, started breaking ground. We've literally been building a building that will now open this summer. Nobody was going to build, right? We are. Oh my goodness, Is anybody, you know? And we're like, let's figure it out. Let's—let's let's figure it out. There's got to be a way. So it's been. Challenging and we've been tested, but I would argue I'm going to ultimately be grateful for the test. And it, it seems like, based on the background that
0: I've done on you and even the conversation we've had right now, work culture is a big deal to you and you're thoughtful about it. If you could give advice to other business owners and entrepreneurs about how to create, maintain, and scale a business culture, especially in today's environment where folks are not in the office all the time, every day, or you may even work with colleagues that you don't ever meet in person.
3: Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for folks? Yeah, I think, you know, in those early days, you as the entrepreneur, you know everybody, you're the energy and culture, you're hiring people, hopefully, that complement you, but probably have very similar values to you because you know them, you're feeling it, you're making the mistakes, you're, you're terminating the ones that don't work, you're, you're really investing in those people. Once you hit, a, you know, for us, once I hit 120 people, I suddenly didn't know everybody's name. I didn't get to interview everybody. Otherwise, I was going to blow up. And so we went through a process and clearly defined our values. And so I worked with a third party with Kareem. She came in and helped me clarify our values by, I told her, these are 17 people of my 120 plus Dan and I that embody our values. I would hire them over and over and over again if I could find these people. So she interviewed them and six core values emerged to the top. And when I met my now president, Jeff Lamb, who used to be the chief people officer at Southwest Airlines, he talked about it at Southwest. They said, if you hire and recruit and retain and celebrate to your values, basically everybody that filters through that adds to the DNA and fabric of your organization. That totally makes sense to me when you talk about companies with thousands of employees. So I think everything starts with your values. And so by... Not by staying true to that, by being open to it, talking to your customers about them, talking to your employees about them, like these are the values and battle and test them. You know, you got to, we, for me, I had to get some outside help because internally we were, couldn't, couldn't define it. So having an outside really helped us. I leaned on uh, the table group, uh, Patrick Lencioni, a lot of their books and they helped us come through. We went through a process with them where they, they taught me how to have a, I do daily staff meetings with my direct leadership. 8.45, 15 minutes, we're touching base. I do once uh, That's a daily meeting. I do a once-a-week staff meeting. No agenda, but we have our key metrics. And then I do it once a month, all site. And then it pushes through. I have Weekly one-on-ones. Like All those little touch points happen whether you're in person or we're remote. And so we've been literally navigating this. So I think to all leaders out there, depending on your size and where you're at, it's continuing to communicate and building those relationships. So those one-on-one conversations that you may be having with your leaders Your leaders need to be having those same conversations with their teams. And then skip level meetings can also happen. And then those healthy, authentic relationships that you've built with your leadership team, those, your same leaders need to be having it with their respective teams. And all the way throughout, all of that is marching towards a common mission. For us, it's, you know, we create spaces that elevate people. And we think about elevating people as cultures and communities. And so where is that? The other area we really leaned in on Is our volunteer time off and our giving campaign. So we may end up with furniture that, you know, we donate to nonprofit organizations. And it's been a fun way for us to be plugged into the community and our remote teams in their communities where we can give and serve nonprofit organizations. And we'll surpass over $6 million giving that we've been able to do the last few years and go out and volunteer and build some furniture and help a nonprofit organization. Because I always put myself in the shoes of no matter how bad it is or tough it is for me, I guarantee you there's another CEO or somebody out there that would trade places with me in a heartbeat for my problems that I think. And so reminding myself to be grateful and present every day helps me get ready for the battlefield. But it's all about people and culture.
1: Once to learn more about investing in alternatives, get started by joining the Capital Club where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com.
0: So we're in the, the midst of what's being referred to as the Great Resignation. It very much seems like employees are, you know, not taking advantage necessarily, but feeling empowered there is an imbalance. Businesses are growing. They are having trouble staffing. I mean, everyone has these anecdotes when they travel, they see signs up at hotels and restaurants and in bars and and retail locations. How are you seeing that play out within your organization yourself? And then when you're talking with other business owners and CEOs, what is that feeling like and and how are they dealing with it?
3: Yeah, I think we've all seen it happen and it's all happened very, very quickly. And so For some, I'm reminded a little bit, unfortunately, of when the dot com crashed, and there was this 99, and there was this massive surge of just people job hopping, and you know, it was like, oh, the illusion of 10,000 options, and it was almost pyrite at the time, and people were doing that. I think at the end of the day, long term investments in great, healthy organizations, investing in your people, investing in the tools and technology, investing in the relationships with your customer base, long term wins the battle. There are these short term spikes on talent that are gonna impact all of us. And what I tell my team, I grew up in Galveston, I always use this hurricane analogy. I, what I describe is no matter how crazy the world is swirling around us, we've gotta be the eye of the storm and be very calm and make the best decisions we can. Some of those mean for us, you know, we were 100% back to work in June of 2020 for our team members. You know, at one point we switched to we're gonna be very flexible here. We we'd already we had always had a flexible policy. You know, if you had a doctor's appointment, you could work. Um, but we said, hey, we're gonna have one day a week of working from anywhere and figure, and just incorporate that in. We're exploring other options around those. We've got more remote team members that were onboarding that I didn't anticipate. So like I'm leaning into it and going, Oh, this is good. We also have international employees at organizations, and suddenly it's there is a global marketplace. But I go back to, at the end of the day, you know, there was a dear mentor of mine has since passed away, but he said, you know, there's three kinds of people in the world. There's those that make it happen. There's, that, there's those that watch it happen. And there's that, that go, what the hell just happened? And you want to continue to surround yourself with people that are making it happen. And people have a choice. I tell my kids, you can work from home and not, you know, not build relationships. And, but that's not healthy long term. There's something about whether it's the oxytocin generated, whether it's the human interactions that have, whether you get to meet somebody that speaks a different language than you, makes more money than you, you get to learn from, or somebody that you can go out and serve. You've got to find ways to do that. And so I think all organizations, as we're hiring talent, recruiting talent, building talent, that's what we've got to continue to lean on is our business models, our values. What are we doing here? You're going to lose some. Some of those relationships are going to end. We've already had quite a few boomerang back, which again is healthy. I may not have an opportunity for you to grow. You can go grow somewhere else with a new opportunity and come back two years from now. And some are already coming back. We've had quite a few. Okay. That's going to be part of life. But I think as leaders, we've got to continue to be that eye of the storm, have a long-term vision for what we're doing, continue to find ways to remain profitable with our businesses. We have to, to protect and drive enterprise value, to find ways to continue to make impact in our communities. And everything will, will work itself out. This little bit of chop and all the stuff that we're going through, we're gonna to have to navigate. It's not gonna be perfect. Make the best decision you can with each individual, with your leadership team, trust your gut and keep moving forward. So there's a
0: lot of talk today about digital nomads, the future of office. You know, it's a changing landscape, certainly. How do you think about the future of work, both within, you know, very But then also with the clients that you're serving, you know, in their businesses.
3: Yeah, I think everybody is trying to find safe ways to get their team members together for a certain period of time. Today, at thirty thousand feet, you may say over half the workforce really can't work from home. They just can't. The jobs today, unless it becomes all robots, literally can't work from home. So there's a tremendous. So we don't want to polarize our population anymore by saying these are the haves and have nots. From a culture standpoint i think we as leaders as universities as school government like we need to find ways as entrepreneurs for people to safely interact and so you see the energy created in a restaurant when people are together you see people when they're out at a ball game or a sporting event right now there's an incredible amount of energy and we are designed as human beings to do that i think as leaders we need to figure that out so as asset owners or building owners as we're navigating what is the workspace of the future so as we're building these communities How do we get workspaces where teams can get together that's closer to where they live, work, and play? Like literally these urban planners that are rethinking how does those spaces work? It may be a reimagination of the central business development zones and how everybody's thinking of CBD versus where the the new developments are all throughout the country. It may not be that everybody comes to one single headquarters, except annually there's events and more decentralized team members that are working. If I am going to work remote, how often do I come in and work with my team? And what are the what are the most impactful ways to do it? If I'm just going to come in and stare at my computer all day and I could do that at home, great. Then let's figure out the, the right way to do those things. But I think everybody's going to navigate it and it's going to continue to flex and change. So the pendulum swung really hard one way. It's coming back. You can already see it. You know, you're watching the castle keep Bob reports that are coming out and Austin, I guess, is now one of the leading cities for people back in the office. Every city's going to navigate it a little bit differently across the country in every organization. But I think everybody recognizes we got to continue to flex, change, get closer to where people are, provide them spaces where they're at. Leases are going to continue probably get shorter. So I think a lot of, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people that can reimagine, I'm calling a three to five year lease seems to be a, a a lot of things i'm hearing with ceos because they don't quite know and they're not ready so they may have a certain part of their portfolio they're willing to make a 10-year bet on but i need some access to some three to five-year spaces or even some event space so how do building owners reimagine their buildings so if i've got class b today i got to get it to class a got to get the latest air i got to get access to nature trails or i'm going to turn it into something else make those hard choices and make those investments but i think all of us are, are navigating this in a, in a lot of ways but we see it working, you know, we leased, we've leased almost 400,000 square feet during COVID, like during COVID of three and five to actually 10 10 year leases, like on our buildings. And we're just learning in our little portfolio. And we've worked with thousands of customers to transform their spaces over the last 24 months. And they're seeing, so it is working. I, I think there's going to be a navigation to fully furnished, short, slightly shorter leases, whenever possible, from from. For a certain percent of the portfolio, and there's going to be more needs for spaces that are closer to where people live, work, and play.
0: How do you think about work-life balance, both yourself as a business owner and leader, and then also for your
3: employees? Yeah, I think for everybody, and you know, balance is different, right? I've had those periods where I went seven days a week, 364 days a year. That's unfortunately my record of, but I burned out. And I crashed and I went bust and it, you know. So I know that working hard and not smart is ultimately not healthy and not the right way, but that's just the way I was personally, I'm personally wired. But I do think it's finding that balance. And for everybody, it's different. I know for me personally, having those wake up calls of overdoing it and burning out and failing as an entrepreneur. Those dark periods allowed me moments to dig through and provide clarity and to recognize I've got to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of my relationship with my wife and my kids. I've got to invest in the the next generation of entrepreneurs in my community. I've got to continue to invest in my team and my leaders and be here and be present. And that's that's how I think about it for me personally. And I've been able to find, for me, a a fantastic balance. Not always perfect, but I, I have found it. Um I think as as I share those stories with my team members and they're very aware of going through that with me, everybody finds that balance as well, and they everybody's in different chapters of their lives. But at the end of the day, we need to find ways to make an impact, we need to find ways to be productive, we need to find ways to add value, we need to find ways to be healthy and so healthy being from a personal standpoint, but also the, the relationships that we're building, I think all those finding a, a balance there is key. I know that life ebbs and flows. And so you can you can dip into the tank a little bit here and you got to reinvest it here. I'm quite introverted. So I know after our Zoom call, I need to chill out for a few minutes and meditate. And I've just learned tricks on how to meditate, how to breathe, how to find presence in nature, how to garden a little bit, you know, and how to paint. Again, it's one of my paintings behind me, but for me, those are ways I have creative out. It allows me to recharge. Everybody I recognize in the building um, by talking about the way I recharge has different ways to recharge. We started doing pickleball, for instance, on Wednesday nights with my team. They've been doing it for a couple of years. They finally invited me, jokingly. And it's an incredible way to burn off some calories, be with the team, get healthy, get out, like little things like that. But suddenly it's also culture and people and teamwork and everything's happening and I'm getting to interact with team members that I might not ever get to interact with on a, on a basis and they're out there smashing the wiffle ball at me. So I think all those things as leaders, we've got to continue to to lead by example and show it to our team members and ultimately it helps us all. What are the companies that you
0: look up to the most in terms of, and it could be the firm itself, leadership or both of those things?
3: Yeah, you know, as, as I was, Laying there and we were, we were building very and really thinking about, could we build, you know, for me, a company that could live beyond my lifetime? I think I've got a shot to build one of the great brands. And you read a book like Simon Sinek's infinite game. So I think about these infinite companies, you know, could I build one? I got a shot. I'm 52 years old. So I've been working on this now for 10 years. Like, do I have a shot to build one of the great brands out there? And I admired early on what Tony Shea built at Zappos thinking about customer service. Always admired Southwest Airlines from a culture standpoint. Always embraced the courage that Branson did at at Virgin. Really the way Bogle built Vanguard, thinking about everyday value and, and really, and the way that Ramsey taught people how to save first, get that balance, like those building block steps, the way that Sam built Walmart on everyday value and transparent pricing and really focusing on one store at a time, one general manager at a time, one market at a time, the way Jim Senegal came in and built Costco to say, I'm going to have 3,500 SKUs, not 3,501. These are the best. It's going to be the best value. Kirkland's going to be our brand for like literally rethinking those and going through that process and thinking about the way that Steve Jobs, you know, we didn't invent the electric desk. He didn't invent the MP3 player, but he really reimagined it and simplified it. And we're trying to do that with workspace and office furniture and the way we assemble things. How do we take that? But also look at a company the way Samsung came out and overnight became a huge phone supplier because they did enough SKUs in in their offering to, to compete against Apple. So all those great brands out there are ones that I look at from a business model standpoint, from culture, from people and learning. And how do I take all those things and learn from them as a leader and continue to do that? The last thing I'll say is we created very University literally to do book clubs, to do onboarding, to do leadership training, to share these things, just like I'm sharing with you, so that our leadership team, our team members that are growing up, that are running our diversity council, that are setting up our, our giving campaigns, are sharing ideas. How do we share and grow each other? So I've got four people out of 330 that are on our very University team. That's over 1% of my staff, which is crazy on the numbers team but it's my commitment to our people and our culture and the learning and lifelong learning so that we can continue this flywheel effect because I, I want it to live beyond my lifetime.
0: What do you, what do you tend to listen to or read? And it could be kind of all time recommendations or current podcasts, book, other resources that uh, you found to be helpful in your life.
3: Yeah. For me, I was not a reader until college. I think I was a, more of a math person and probably more of a cliff notes reader and not fully engaged in the power of it. And I read Jim Collins, Good to Great in college. And like every light bulb, when I finally found a book that I resonated with, I went, oh my goodness. And his lay that the BO, the BE 2.0, the Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 is amazing. I'm about to do a book review on it. It's incredible. And he's got uh, Simon sinek you've got Ryan holiday. I think for me reading um, about whether it's the Stoics or autobiographies or entrepreneurs that have gone through it failed and successful and understanding and really getting into the details of why and learning from them I think has helped me as a leader and so I'm constantly reading I just finished the, you know John Gordon he has a new the sale book I just read that yesterday on the or a couple of days ago on the plane coming back from Kansas City to, Again, for me, it's it's reading the actual book itself. And then I also kick into the audibles, you know, just depending on what if I'm driving or if, you know, if I've got a little road trip and I can just put it in. But that's where I gather my information. And it's really helped me uh, learn from other great leaders as they share their stories. Uh, you know, when I read the Michael Dell's most recent book about six months ago, I felt like that was an authentic representation of a billion dollar, pl- you know, multi-billion dollar organization that went through some struggles and he was so transparent and authentic about his fight to save his company. And for me, when I read those stories, it feels like I'm talking to a mentor and I don't, I don't know all these people, but I get a chance to be present with them and just like that. And I will say on the other side is to, to continue to reach out to other groups. I know you're in YPO and I, I'm not, but I have, I have people, I've got an advisory board now and people that I know I can call, but you need to talk it out you know just like i've you know just like when my wife and i went to counseling years ago you know sometimes you just need to talk it out and put it out there so somebody else can spin it so you can look at it and get another perspective i think being comfortable about doing those things and and raising your hand and saying i i know as a i'm i'm a ceo but i definitely don't have all the answers and so showing humility and grace and and doing those things allows us all to learn. And so I've been really pushing myself to to do those things, to try to get better. Jason, I want to thank you for the time. It's been an awesome conversation
0: and um, such a cool story about the genesis of the company, You know how you started, how you've had to pivot, your response and growth during COVID. And I know some of the folks that work for your organization and they're, they're top-notch, especially in the sales world. And so I want to thank you for the time. If people... Are interested in learning more about a varied desk with the organization or just engaging with you. What's the best way for them to go about doing that?
3: Yeah, the simplest way is you can go on to very.com. So it's V A R I.com and learn more about you know, our offerings. If you'd like to do a virtual tour or see one of our showrooms, we're in 15 cities right now. Or if you're in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, we've got a million square feet of real estate. We host tours five or six every day. People are flying in from all over the country. Spend a day here, grab a little barbecue, um, and get you back on the plane and home for dinner. And you can literally see what we're talking about. When you feel the energy of it, it totally takes you to what is possible. And again, I look at it like all CEOs, like all of you listening today, I'm learning with you. Like we, we are all trying to crack this code. We're all trying to leave this world a better place than when we got here and make an impact that's lasting. So how can we serve each other and do that? Um, and then I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So that's probably the other way if people are just trying to find out what's in my head that's pretty much out
0: there so <laughs> yeah you put some really good content out there. So <laughs> I encourage people to, uh, to connect with you on LinkedIn Jason thanks for the time this has been awesome and uh, I'm in Dallas often so I hope to be able to swing by the facility and check out your digs on my next trip
3: in town that's great thanks Brian
1: thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Capital Club if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review, and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hold
2: up!